Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar for other podcasts throughout the world, not just the nation of Canada, but the world. We literally receive emails every day, and Tony can attest to this. Dear Jody and Tony, I'm a podcaster. How can I be like you? And, you know, it's a tough gig, but we do it. Sign, sign Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe, Joe has never written us like that, but no, he's, he he's probably the second best podcast in the, in the world. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think strong, so. Maybe, maybe one B one B maybe. Hey, we should give a shout out since we are talking about music today. Shout out to Alan Cross, who has had this ongoing history of new music for, I don't know, a couple of decades now. He had his 10 millionth download of one of those uh, broadcasts slash podcasts. So, oh, nice. Nice of him to finally catch up. Welcome to the club, Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to, maybe we'll, hey, make a note to our assistant to send him a little plaque. Congratulations. Yeah, we'll be a little, and a little uh, floral arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our program each week is brought to you by Municipal Solutions, John Mutton. That world traveler and his crew at Municipal Solutions. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. Tony, I know you have a little bit more detail on what they do. Yeah, John Mutton is uh, back in the country, and uh, I actually had him on my other show, Boom and Bust, to talk about skilled trades in Ontario and Canada. So he is a man of many talents and experiences, but Municipal Solutions is uh, well known for business development, market analysis, energy and infrastructure advancement strategic planning, shareholder and government relations and public policy development. So thanks again uh, to John Mutton and the crew for being our presenting sponsor. And I also got to give a shout out to one of our other great sponsors, Lord and Lady Coffee. You can find them online at lordandlady.ca. If you're a big fan of fresh roast, small batch coffee, go check it out. Two blends, the one, which is our signature blend and midnight voyage, which is our new dark roast. And you can order that anywhere in Canada. We'll ship right to your door. And if you spend over 40 bucks, shipping is free. So go check it out, lordandlady.ca. And I haven't, I haven't ordered a bag yet, by the way, Tony. I, I noticed that. You, what's that? You haven't ordered a bag yet. I know. Christmas is coming. Don't worry. I'll, uh, I'll get online, I assure you. All right. Let's get to our guest. Uh, this guy I've known for quite a long time. Uh, in a different capacity than what we're discussing today, although you never know, we could go we could go down this road. But uh, David McPherson is our guest. I met him through Golf Journalists of Canada, the Golf Journalists Association of Canada. Known him for quite a few years. We've played golf together a couple times in some of the events and have chatted golf. But this guy is a huge music buff, and he is the author of Horse, the Legendary Horseshoe Tavern: A Complete History by David McPherson. He joins us on the show today. David, thanks for doing this. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I will get this question out of the way, because did you get much golf in this year? It was a COVID year, but were you able to play as much as you would have liked? Uh, No, actually, uh, I worked at a golf course uh, where I grew up playing, uh, Westmount uh, Golf and Country Club in Kitchener. uh, And I only played about, uh, I think, three or four rounds. Uh, wow. No way. You know, I love the game, but it just takes so much time and uh, organization. And, yeah, it was a great uh, outlet for so many people during COVID. But uh, I ended up uh, getting about 2,000 kilometers on my bike instead. 
Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Tony, I know you played. How many rounds did you get in, Tony? I probably got, uh, I'm saying 20. Like I've oh, never, that's, I've that's never a played lot more golf. Yeah. And I had, I had one of my bigger years. I was actually over 70, 75 rounds this year. Oh, I think wow. it was close to 80. Yeah. Yeah. I was playing like three, three times a week at least. So it was nice. It was nice. The weather was good, uh, in, in Southern Ontario and, and, uh, and, and in Muskoka. And, um, of course it was one of the few things you could do socially, uh, uh, in the COVID, uh, summer. So, um, uh, Hey, I was there and uh, great for golf courses. They, you know, they, they, they have up and down years. This was definitely an up year for them. So good for them. The legendary horseshoe tavern yes. written by guest David McPherson, David, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, I only have one horseshoe tavern story and I'm going to just share it quickly right now. And I know Tony will have lots of questions and lots of stories, but, and I'm sure you, obviously you will as well, but I've been there once. And I guess what band I saw. Does anyone want to guess? Oh, Duran uh, Duran. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw Billy Talent there. Well, That's, yeah. did you really? Which, one of the best. Actually, I say this to this date. Billy Talent is one of the tightest live bands. Now, I haven't seen a lot of live music. I've seen enough, but not a lot. But they were one of the tightest bands I've ever seen. Yeah, they got uh, the only problem with Billy Talent is they always have to turn up the volume because they're not loud enough. Oh, gosh. That, <laughs> my ears were ringing for days after going to the horseshoe yeah. and watching them. So. Oh, my word. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Well, I do want to ask David a few questions and start off, Dave, uh, just tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book in the first place and what music means to you and what the horseshoe means to you. Yeah, well, for me, music is the elixir of life. I mean, especially during this time, uh, COVID and pandemic, there's been so much uncertainty. I think music has been something that really has helped people heal. And it is something, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, uh, you can always turn to it. Uh, so for me, that that's kind of a bit of the impetus to writing this book. I've always loved music. I, I've been uh, someone who's loved going to live concerts ever since I saw my first show, uh, The Who, uh, back in when I was in grade 10 at the, well, the old, yeah, at the old CNE. It was a great, yeah, great start. That summer I saw The Who, the Who and The Stones, so uh, hard to top that. But uh, anyhow, in terms of the book, I, I've, uh, you know, been writing about music for about 20 years and uh, lived in Toronto uh, until I moved back to my hometown of Waterloo five years ago for almost 20 years as well. And while there, I just I fell in love with the horseshoe, spent a lot of time there, and I'd always wanted to write a book. Uh, I knew that the horseshoe was coming up on its 70th anniversary, uh, and it was a bit fortuitous in a way. There, I met uh, a fellow music writer at the Dakota Tavern, another one of my favorite spots to go hear live music in Toronto, and he mentioned this publisher, Dundurn, was looking for some more music titles. And I pitched them this idea and they thought it was great. And, you know, that kind of started the ball rolling. Explain to our listenership, because our listenership uh, uh, is is national and indeed international. So uh, the Horseshoe Tavern is uh, a music, live music venue uh, in Toronto. Maybe uh, expand a little bit on that uh, that definition. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I mean, especially, again, going back, it's very topical and timely. I mean, we've seen throughout this pandemic so many live music venues close. Uh, every week uh, we hear of another one, and uh, I know they're struggling so much, but 
the incredible thing is uh, the Horseshoe Tavern has been at Queen and Spadina in downtown Toronto. Uh, it's a live music club uh, ever since Jack Star opened it back in 1947. And, uh, you know, I know the new owners, uh, I mean, the current owners who've been there almost uh, 30 years have, you know, been struggling throughout this, but uh, they're still going. And uh, hopefully they, they will survive this pandemic uh, you know, because cities really need these cultural places uh, where musicians and like-minded music lovers can gather. I mean, they're, you know, they're really uh, havens, uh, you know, for the arts. And uh, I think they're very important to our cities. Yeah, and we uh, obviously learned that Sneaky D's is closing down forever as as an example of another live music venue. And uh, uh, it, it always concerns us because, you know, that's where a lot of great bands uh, have had their start, which I will get to. Um, but I noticed uh, in the States, there's a they've created um, a live music venue association, which uh, I think got off uh, like 8 million emails and um messages to congress people in the u.s to help save live music venues so hopefully that's the the same kind of audience that can be brought to bear uh in this crisis for canada as well yeah definitely i think it's important because i think as we've seen they're probably going to be one of the last uh businesses to be allowed to reopen uh, especially at the way they're they're used to being uh run I got to ask uh, a couple of historic questions. First of all, uh, tell us a little bit about Jack Starr. He was the original owner, as you as you mentioned, the first owner uh, of uh, the Horseshoe. So tell us, give us a little bit of background on him and what, what he was able to accomplish. Yeah, Jack Starr was a bit of a fascinating character. Uh, he, he was a, a Jewish businessman who had, uh, he and his family, or his brothers and that had run a few uh kind of other businesses in Toronto uh, that had nothing to do with music or uh, a restaurant or anything. It was more in the kind of uh, textile uh, industry. Um, But he basically, you know, as the story goes, his, uh, his daughter told me uh, she came home from camp one day and her dad, Jack said, you know, I bought this bar and uh, it was came as a bit of a shock, but I guess, he was just an entrepreneur, and right around that time uh, was when the the they had finally given uh, bars uh, the ability to serve liquor and, in Toronto. And I think he he saw this as an opportunity. Uh, and so in 1947, he he opened this uh, place called the Horseshoe. And initially, there wasn't music there for the first kind of three four years. Uh, it was really just a, a place to go and have dinner and. Uh, you know, good prime rib on a Sunday, and and it was a watering hole for a lot of the the blue collar workers that uh, worked in that area. And uh, did he uh, when when they started to do live music? What were some of the really interesting early acts that played there? Well, well, that was the other uh, fascinating story for me. I mean, music really came about uh, at the Horseshoe because of the patrons that uh, went there. There was a lot of East Coasters. Uh, people from Newfoundland and Nova Scotia who had migrated to Toronto looking for work uh, in kind of the early 1950s. And one day Jack was walking through the bar and and one of the patrons said, hey, you should get some live music in here. And 
she said, okay, sure. What, what do you uh, suggest? And they said country music. Uh, because you know, the, the people from the East coast love their country music. And, and so next thing you know, uh, he, he started booking like the cream of the crop, uh, you know, from the grand old Opry in Nashville and the horseshoe tavern kind of got a reputation as Nashville North. I mean, you had everyone from Loretta Lynn, uh, to little Jimmy Dickens, to Charlie pride, Ernest Tubb, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. It's just amazing that, uh, you know, all these Nashville, uh, people came through town and, you know, the horseshoe uh, was the mecca for, uh, you know, country music. I, I, I think one of the stories you told um, in the book, uh, uh, the Horseshoe Tavern, a complete history was uh, how Jack Starr made it kind of like a, f- a family atmosphere for all of these visiting acts. And it, at one point, I think for Loretta Lynn and her band, he packed sandwiches for them as they were leaving. Uh, stuff like that happened. Yeah, definitely. And that's, uh, that's what, you know, I got from talking to, you know, the members of his family, uh, you know, for Jack, he, he was always present. He was always there and, and the musicians loved him as did the, uh, the patrons. I mean, he, he had he had that atmosphere. Did things like that. I mean, uh, really, another great story uh, that shared in the book is about stopping Tom Cotters, and uh, he that became his place. I mean, he still holds the record today uh, for most consecutive nights played at the Horseshoe at twenty five in a row. Uh, but when he first was trying to break into the Horseshoe, he you know kept coming up and bugging Jack, saying, "Oh, you got to let me play here." And Jack, you know, mm-hmm. finally gave him a chance and he, he got on, he, he finally built up his reputation there. And I remember, you know, there's a story of Jack giving him uh, like a bonus around Christmas time or something. And, you know, uh, Stomp and Tom was almost in tears. He was just so thankful at, at what wow. uh, Jack had done for him in his career. Who else, uh, I wouldn't say got their start there because they, they might've been touring and performing, but maybe acts uh, or, or uh, individual performers who uh, later became very famous. Any, any others that uh, you care to name? Well, I mean, I don't think they got their start there, but another a great story uh, of one of those bands that, uh, you know, we've all heard that where they, they played a club and then, you know, they later on exploded uh, was the police uh, back in 1978 uh, in November, actually, uh, early November. They played a pair of shows there. It was uh, the promoters uh, known as the Garys, Gary Top and Gary Cormier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they always had their ear to the ground and were a bit ahead of the, the what everyone else, uh, the mainstream, was hearing. And uh, they brought the police over and they played the horseshoe over the course of two nights and maybe a dozen people were there. A dozen uh, people were there, but 5,000 people claimed they were there. Yeah, yeah, one of those. And But, I mean, a couple of years later, or, you know, six months later, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing Roxanne on the radio. And, you know, the next time they came back, uh, you know, they, they filled Massey Hall. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a neat story. But in terms of Canadian bands, I mean, there's so many in the kind of 80s, 90s. Uh, you know, Blue Rodeo is a great example that, they, they did play at other clubs, but uh, the Horseshoe, again, was one of those places where they really honed their chops and built up a following, and it was really instrumental to their career. Well, this is the thing about um, uh, musicians, uh, performers. 
and I guess this was brought to everyone's attention by Malcolm Gladwell when he talked about the Beatles doing 10,000 hours at the Hamburg Club, uh, you know, because uh, they that that's that's how they got their chops too like uh, but but when the beatles exploded onto the world stage everyone saw them fully formed and thought that it was a you know a miracle that they had such talent but they had to work at that talent for 10,000 hours in relative obscurity before uh they were ready for prime time and that's that's true pretty well of every band is that right oh definitely and i think that's you know another to go back to this uh the venue crisis right now, that's another issue, right? There was a time uh, back in the 80s where, you know, the Horseshoe, uh, the Rivoli, uh, the Beverly Tavern, uh, Cameron House, there were so many places just even on that one strip. And having so many venues, it allowed all these bands, the places to get in those hours. And uh, that's just another thing that's sad about when you see these venues closing they they don't have the places it's one thing to rehearse and put in that time but you also need to be uh getting that exposure in front of a live audience and you need these places to play and and that's definitely what the horseshoe has done over the years for so many canadian bands it's true and obviously you build up an emotional connection with your audience so and you do that as you tour in many other places around the country or around the world. And uh, that, that helps with longevity. I mean, we see today so many one hit wonders uh, because, and, and, you know, this is, this is the, this is the structure of the music industry. Now you, you post on TikTok Now that's the latest thing to do. Post a, a song on TikTok or post somewhere on YouTube, uh, build up an audience, have a monster hit, you know, if you're lucky, if you're very lucky and, and have some talent, uh, you know, millions of streams. Uh, and then you could be, you can disappear into the ether because there's somebody else and there's somebody else. And it's, you know, obviously that's the structure of the music industry. But if you want to be an artist with longevity, it's hard to have a loyal audience now if you haven't earned your chops performing in front of live audiences at places like the Horseshoe. Yeah, I think that's so true. So, I mean, that's that's part of the crisis. Hey, um, you, there, you must have heard some crazy stories, too. Uh, from the horseshoe so uh, any of those come to mind right now yeah i mean like i've said before uh i mean the the title of my book is a bit of a misnomer uh legendary horseshoe tavern a complete history obviously there's uh there's always other stories since i published the book people have come up oh did you hear about this one or why did you include this and and there was also yeah you talk about crazy stories there's some i didn't include <laughs> that might have been a little too uh, x-rated but uh you know, crazy stories, uh, I don't know, they're just, I think, part of, not just crazy, but I think the, the cool part of a place like the Horseshoe was the fact of kind of the surprise guests or people that just might show up uh, at any given time. Uh, I mean, the bartender that's been there, Teddy, uh, himself, I mean, he, he could write his own book, but the, the one of the stories he shared with me that I thought was great was... You know, the night that uh, uh, John Entwistle, uh, the bassist for The Who, uh, just happened to be, you know, in the bar drinking with his girlfriend. And uh, 
you know, it was one of those things. It wasn't uh, about the music being played, but here was a, a guy, a character, and, you know, he by the end of the night, he was sharing stories and showcasing uh, pictures of all his guitars and basses wow. and things. And, you know, so stuff like that happened. I heard other stories of, like, you know, Oasis or different bands might have been in town, and, you know, some of the members would stop by after their show playing over at the amphitheater and maybe play a few songs or maybe just go in to hear the band that was playing. Uh, you know, stuff like that was uh, pretty cool to hear as well. It was the hangout for yeah. uh, a lot of uh, touring musicians, no question about it. Jody, you said, have you been to the Horseshoe Tavern? Have you, have you been there? We started the show with my one Horseshoe Tavern story. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went off into your own little world there. You already was, forgot about my story. I was, I was pacing out thinking about uh, John Mutton in Croatia, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and I've, I've, of course I was there, uh, frequently in my university years, uh, I frequented there. Plus the, uh, I think Edgerton's was also, uh, mm-hmm. I liked, I liked uh, Edgerton's cause it had the, the punk bands, uh, the obscure punk, punk bands a little bit, but, uh, you're right. A lot Along that strip, I mean, obviously the Elma Combo is is down the same strip as well. Uh, you know that that was the heart uh, of kind of the live music venues of Toronto. Um, I mean, you had you have the Entertainment District of Toronto, which is a bit to the south and to the west of that. But in terms of live music venues, and I, and I would still say it, it still holds uh, its luster there. Uh, would you agree with me on that, Dave? Oh, definitely. I mean, in, until the pandemic hit, I mean, the Horseshoe is still uh, booking live music probably six, seven nights a week. So uh, it, it still, I, I think, is a place that uh, is definitely relevant and uh, revered and loved uh, in the city and elsewhere. And uh you know, every year for their anniversary, they always have a lot of these bands uh, that were regulars there come back. Uh, you know, have a, you have the Skydiggers who do an annual Christmas show there. That's right. Uh, th- this will probably be one of the first years. Uh, unfortunately, they won't be able to do it. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of those traditions as well that uh, make the Horseshoe such a special place. David well, I- McPherson is the author of the legendary horseshoe tavern a complete history and david before we wrap up the book's available all over the place isn't it yeah it's uh actually another cool thing uh that i can mention it just uh and i was humbled uh the book came out about three years ago you can find it anywhere i I suggest you support your indie bookstore uh, they can probably order it for you too, but uh, it was uh, produced as an audiobook uh, this past fall, and uh, it had Jeff Woods uh, uh, doing the narration. So I- I'm pretty excited and proud about that as well. Nice. It probably makes a great stocking stuffer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Along with uh, tickets or IOUs for future live performances. I, I like Dave, uh, I'm so looking forward to live music uh, gearing up again. Uh, I really miss it in my life. Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh, look, uh, it's first world problem. I get that. We've got other fish to fry right now. But uh, for a lot of people and their mental wellness, uh, live music is the solution. So let's uh, hope and pray we can get back to it uh, sooner rather than later. Hey, David, before we let you go, 
Tony won't mention this, but he has a cover band, the Doc Spiders. Yes. They do uh, they do 70s rock and 90s hip-hop covers like <laughs> Maestro Fresh West and Chocolaire. Um, do you have any ins to get them into the Horseshoe Tavern? Would you guys play there, Tony? Oh, we would play there. Are you kidding? I'm sure I could, uh, I could oh. convince the guys to play there. Yeah, I could, I could put in a word for you. Oh, oh that'd be yeah. Good. Here we go. <laughs> well, our, our bass player is the uh, Mus- local Muskoka cardiologist and our, our drummer is an environmental engineer. So I, I make no representations about how we compare to some of the best bands you've had there. Awesome. David, thanks so much for doing this. Again, you can find the book at your indie bookstores all over. Ask for it by name, The Legendary Horseshoe Tavern, A Complete History. Check out the audio version as well. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure to chat this morning. Lots of great insight into live music and definitely a legendary venue, the Horseshoe Tavern. Thanks again to David for his time uh, on our program. Tony, I know you really do want to play there, don't you? Oh, are you kidding? Uh, I'd, I'd do it in a second. I, I got to get on stage at the Kitabala in Muskoka uh, with a, a backing band behind me. Uh, this is a, a few years ago now, and it was like such a thrill to be at a storied location. And I, so, yeah, uh, you know, um, I don't care how crappy I sound. If I can do it, I do it. Why don't you do a solo act? Like, just go up with an acoustic and get her done. Roxanne! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, some great guests coming up in the next couple weeks as we continue down this path of yeah. podcast stardom. We're huge now. Like, we can't, what, I can't walk 50 feet without people stopping me in the street now. Well, and I just want to thank our listeners again. Uh, I know we do that regularly, but uh, we've got a we've got a bunch of loyal listeners and and growing growing numbers, obviously. But uh, I just want to thank everybody for for being there for us too and being part of our journey with this podcast. It's been a real treat. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm excited to get together face to face again soon when all this restriction stuff is done that yeah that'd be by the way by the way we should mention too we're working on trying to get adam skelly on the program if you don't know that name he is the owner of adamson barbecue who took a major major stand last week against the restrictions against small business and the lockdown and uh i don't think he's done no, they, they, I, they, the cops changed the locks on his place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I think this is far from over, and I'm hearing now of other gyms and other places that are going to open uh, peacefully and do uh, make a stand. And I think the developing uh, story, Jody, and we do have our uh, reporter on site uh, who will be ascending. I uh, no, no, I guess we can't <laughs> say that. But uh, no, we want to be. We want to be talking about this story too. It's a major story. Yeah, so we're uh, we're trying to track down Adam and have him on the show. And if you know of uh, anyone else uh, that knows Adam that can hook us up, drop us in, drop us a note. Yeah, we'd appreciate sure. it. So. And any other suggestions from our audience too about guests that they'd like to see on the program? We're always uh, looking for great content. That's right. Thanks again to MunicipalSolutions.ca, proud presenters of this program. And of course, one of our great sponsors, Lord and Lady Coffee. Go now, check it out, LordandLady.ca. Order some coffee, spend over 40 bucks, free shipping anywhere in Canada. Tony, enjoy the rest of your week, and you we too, will sir. talk soon. You bet.